The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Good morning. You know, on a, on a Sunday like today with Seahawk Sunday, I struggle so much with people that show up and um, somehow they like go, oh, Seahawks is spelled S-A-I-N-T-S, you know, Saints or, you know, um, or they, they decide to wear a Cowboys jersey or they have the audacity to be a staff member and dress their newborn baby in a, in a onesie that has Cowboy, you know, on it. And it's, it's just confusing to me. And I do want to let you know that we do have an opening for a youth pastor. Um, so... Starting tomorrow, starting tomorrow, he enters free agency. So anyway, just thought, thought maybe you should, uh, you should know that. Anyway, um, well, hey, uh, we are in a series called Peer Pressure. Today is part two, and um, typically I have a, some, like an anchor chunk of verses, but today I've got a, a few different places that we're going to be, and I think most of them should appear. The verses will appear on screen. Um, I've mentioned before that I love like shows about nature, like you know, Planet Earth and so, like, Discovery Channel, Animal Planet. Um, learning channel, stuff like that, but um, on, a while back on Nat Geo Wild, anybody ever watch that channel at all? It's, I love it. It's awesome. They had a, 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 an episode, not an episode, a series called World's Deadliest, and so they focused on like the world's deadliest animals, and, and they did one on lions, and it was, it was fun to watch. I was checking it out, and um, I, I actually went ahead and typed out the narration, and I love the narrator because he's got kind of this serious, gravelly voice that's all dramatic or whatever, and, um, and I'm going to go ahead and do that for you just to take you there, but this episode was about lions and how lions hunt and zebras and what happens, and I thought at first I would go ahead and like show it just so you guys could watch it, and then as soon as it got like grisly and disgusting, I thought, you know, all the blood there isn't going to be so good on a Sunday, so I didn't do that, and you're welcome, but um, I'll just give you the narration. So again, think about like lions, like the Serengeti and, and zebras and what's going on, and it goes like this, lions are sprinters, not marathon runners. They can hit 35 miles an hour, but only for a few seconds. And then there's like this dramatic pause in the narration where they show this lion chasing a zebra and it kind of misses and runs out of gas really quick. And then it goes on with the narration. So they team up, approaching their prey from different angles. Zebras learn to keep their distance. But one zebra is about to violate the first rule of the Serengeti. Always stay with the group. And what ensues is a lion, I'm not kidding on this episode, a lion that all of a sudden there's this one zebra, like they're all hanging out together in their zebra, you know, pack, group, herd, whatever. Um, I probably should know what that is, but anyway, they're in a group. Um, and, uh, and, and, and there's this one kind of idiot zebra that's like off by itself, and you're like, I don't know what's wrong with him, like maybe he had a bad day, not getting along with others. I don't know what the deal was, but there's like lions kind of gathering and kind of making their way closer and closer, and all of a sudden, this one lion pounces, I'm not joking about like jumps and does a flip over the zebra, grabs it by the neck and pulls it down. And this is where I'm like, I can't show this because it's like mealtime for the whole group and the whole pride of lions. And so it was pretty, pretty gruesome. Um, but, but the phrase that I was so enamored by or so enthralled with, I guess, was always stay with the group. And I want everybody just to say that. Say always stay with the group. For me, it might as well be a Bible verse, although that, that phrase in particular doesn't appear word for word in the Bible. But here's what I think, that, that you and I, every one of us at some point in our lives and maybe multiple times, every one of us feels the temptation to become isolated, 
We, you know, my, my husband or my, my, my wife doesn't get me. And so you feel isolated. You know, your friend makes you mad and, and you're not getting along. And so you, you feel isolated from, from your friend. You're, you, the church let you down, so you feel isolated. Or your job let you go, so you feel isolated. There's all kinds of examples of ways to feel isolated. And what happens in isolation is that you start spinning over in your head anger fantasies and you hold on to bitterness. And sometimes, as some of us can attest in here, when we don't deal with the issue that's removed us in relationship, relationship from other people, that issue begins to fester and soon becomes bigger than it ever was meant to be. And you begin to kind of make this a big deal and you don't talk and it's been, you know, months and, and years go by. And what happens is we create a pattern in our lives of coping with hurt from other people by simply internalizing our lives and thinking, I won't let others in. I will keep people at arm's distance. I'm willing to have quote-unquote friendships, but nobody's going to get too close because I don't like for people to know me that well because I can get hurt. In fact, and you think about Nat Geo Wild and this episode, in the Serengeti, that excuse causes you to not last. But spiritually speaking, when we live in a world that says, I won't let others in because I've been hurt, because I've been betrayed, because I've been lied to, because whatever it might be, all of a sudden, that idea, always stay with the group, goes by the wayside, and you get eaten alive spiritually. In fact, it was Peter who penned these words to the church in 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, even Peter could see what I see on Nat Geo Wild, what you've seen on National Geographic Channel or whatever, that, that there's something about this idea of divide and conquer, that when we isolate and don't let others in and keep people at an arm's distance and refuse to be connected the way God intends us to, we get eaten alive by the enemy. We play right into his hand of going, I don't do the people thing. I don't do the relationship thing. And little do we know in those moments what feels good is actually damaging us. We're running opposite to the way God designed us to operate, divide and conquer. Peter goes on to say this, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers, there's that connection again. There's what brings you right back to what you need to put your head into. Hey, other people have gone through these things and they've gotten through. They've been able to thrive. They've been able to, to hold on to their faith even when it's difficult through betrayal, through pain, through deception, through whatever it might be. He says, resist him standing firm because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of of sufferings. I want you to rewind all the way back in the scriptures that we have in the Bible that we have. Chapter 2, it talks about creation and as man comes along and Adam and here he is and he's in the garden and we have these stories of early on in creation. Here's Adam and it says this, God noticed it wasn't good for man to be alone. You ever noticed when that happens in the story? This phrase happens before the fall even takes place. Sin hasn't even entered the picture yet, and this is the one thing that God noticed that wasn't good. Light was good. 
Land, good. Rain, good. All this stuff, good. But when he gets to the point with man all by himself, he says it is not good for man to be alone. And Scripture talks about how you know, Eve is there and, 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 and you know, they, they have this union and now he's not alone. But I think of this idea, you and I were not created to do life alone. You and I were not created to simply keep people at arm's distance. Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament, as the early church is established after the Gospels and the work of, of Christ and the cross, um, it, it says this, Acts chapter 2, verse 46, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. There's this picture of the idea of, of, of our day. We don't meet in the temple, but we gather in a setting like this to worship together, to worship the Lord, and to, to be encouraged together. But then it says they, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And that's where, for us, we talk a lot about life groups. And we want people to be connected in community through life groups. In fact, we believe that discipleship happens best in the context of a small group of people doing life like that. Where they gather in homes and they have snacks or have a meal and they walk through the scriptures together. They challenge one another with questions. They go over how one another's doing and, and what's going on. And it, it, there's something powerful when that happens. And we take it right out of scripture. They met in a large gathering. For them, it was the temple. For us, it's this auditorium. And some of you get a little bent out of shape. A little side note here. Why do we call it an auditorium? Why can't it be a sanctuary? And the reason is because we try to be intentional about, about things like that language. You can say, well, it's a sanctuary. It's a safe place to come to worship God. And that's true. But what happens is, over, over decades, the church became a place to go instead of a people with, you know, the, with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we say it's an auditorium. This is simply four walls and a stage and some lights and heat and chairs where, where it's not something that's so holy. The Bible says, and Paul reminds us, that when the veil in the temple was torn, when Jesus was crucified and the price was paid, it was torn to remind us that all of us have access to the Holy Spirit and that we are the body of Christ, that we are the temple. Paul puts his life on the line to pen those words, by the way. We're the temple. And so when you look at, at what we have here, it's just this picture of meeting like this and then gathering in homes. And I love that with the, with the new hub, which is our information center at the church, our, our new hub, there's all kinds of cards along the side walls there that tell you about groups and whether it's singles groups or couples groups or young marriage groups or you know, groups for older individuals or whatever it might be. We want desperately for people to meet together in homes and break bread and talk over scripture and spend time in prayer. In our series, Peer Pressure, th this, this whole idea of peer pressure on one hand is negative, but on the other hand is very positive. And what we need in our lives is far more positive peer pressure. And so specifically, when I talk about positive peer pressure today, I want to talk about a few things. And if you're taking notes, you can write these down. Number one, we need the comfort and encouragement of others. 
We need, and I literally, we need the comfort and the encouragement of others that we're not called to be alone. And when you think about in the past, if you've had to face anything challenging, anything overwhelming, anything that felt like a mountain before you or a dark place, it's far easier to walk through those seasons when you know you've got people by your side, when you know you've got people that are going to make the phone call, show up, allow there to be a conversation, sit there quietly as your heart is broken. It's far easier to face the things we face in life, which all of us will when we know we have other people. We need the comfort and the encouragement from others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, it says this, He comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, He brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. What Paul is saying here is that God comforts us so we can comfort others. Some of us go, you know what, it's just me and Jesus. I just, the Bible reminds me, all I need is Jesus. Here's the catch. I fully believe all you need is Jesus, but the catch is this. Jesus will send you people. It's not just you and Jesus and that's it. People say, I, you know, the church thing, and I don't, I don't really like the, the, the church thing. You know what that is? I'm, I'm into Jesus, but I don't do the church thing. And you might be offended by this, but I've said it this way. That's like saying to my wife, babe, I love your face. I just don't love your body. And some of you go, did he seriously just say that? But here's the deal. In marriage, that goes nowhere. That's horrible. And if you think it's bad for marriage, think about your theology about, I love Jesus, but I don't really do the church thing. We are the body of Christ. You're stuck with me whether I'm the weird uncle or not. You, 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 you're not isolated. That's, your, that's the enemy's trick to get you removed from others so inevitably and eventually you end up destroyed jaded you need the comfort of other people you need the encouragement of other people you need that whether you like it or not the second thing is this we need the perspective of other people how many of you would admit that that you have blind spots just raise your hands if you didn't raise your hand, you're lying in church, but, okay? We all have blind spots. Now, here's the thing. The, 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 the catch for this is, if there are blind spots, how do you know, since by definition you can't see them? Other people get to tell you. We need other people to speak into our lives. We need other people that, that we have relationship with. This isn't just like, hey, you know, I know I don't know you, but here's what's wrong with you. <laughs> it's not that. That's a horrible deal. Don't do that to people. But, but here's the honest truth. There's nothing wrong in relationship with somebody else where if you see somebody that's got something going on, they're off base about kind of the way they think, processing something, a friend jumps in and is willing to say, hey, I see that and, and, and I love you enough to say this to you. I think you better be careful. I think you ought to not go that direction. There are red flags in my head when I see, and maybe because you're in the midst of it, you don't see, but, but I'm just warning you. I, I, I can remember multiple times in my life 
and some even recently, I don't want to admit it, where I've had a conversation with somebody that cares about me, somebody that I have a relationship with that goes, hey, here's something I need to talk to you about. I remember one that happened about 30 feet that direction. And it was after I'd finished speaking and, and they pulled me aside, which is always a challenge right after you finish speaking. But pulled me aside and said, hey, you know, I was listening to this and, and, and I've you know, obviously been listening to you for a while and I appreciate what you have to say, but do you know that you do this? And they began to talk about something that I was doing in my speaking that they said, I, I really believe that when you do that, it makes your speaking far less effective. Everybody say, ouch. Yes, I'm like, ow. But you know what? I've never forgot that moment back in the back room right over there. I've never forgot it. Because yes, it hurt like crazy to hear that. Like, man. But here's the thing. I'm by no means perfect. I don't speak a 10 out of 10, even though I would love to hit grand slams every time I get up here. It just doesn't happen. And sometimes it's healthy for somebody to pull me aside and go, hey, can we, can we talk about this? Again, somebody that there's relationship. Somebody that has that ability to speak into my life just like you need someone to speak into your life. If you're taking notes, you can write down Proverbs eleven fourteen. says this. Without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. And that's the message version. So if you, have, you don't read the message, you can look it up that way. NIV words it a little bit differently. But the whole idea here is the fact that you and I need the wisdom of other people. And sometimes it doesn't feel fun to have somebody pull you aside and have that conversation with you. But man, if they care, I would encourage you to humble yourself. The perspective of others. I, I sat down with somebody recently and we, we were talking about all that's going on with their life and, and, and I was just letting them just kind of go over all the details and it was like over and over, hit after hit after hit. It was like the Murphy's Law thing. If anything can go wrong, it will. And it was like, man, there's this and there's this and there's this and there's this. And, and really, they just wanted to, to sit down just to sort of get this out. But literally, they said to me, I just need to get some perspective. And I said, well, I, I'm, I'm glad we get to sit down and have this conversation, and basically, I kind of went through a few different elements of like, well, you know, this is going on, and, and maybe some thoughts about that, and this is, you mentioned that, and, and maybe some thoughts here, and then one of the things, and I, one of the things I said was this, at the, as we kind of got to the end of the conversation, I said, you know, this is that perspective thing, I said, you know, um, let me tell you this, and you might not like this one, I said, but, but sometimes we go through so many things that God is trying to get our attention that we're not so self-reliant. Because one of the comments was that, that they, they hate having to rely on other people. And I think we all feel that way, that it feels good to sort of be independent, let's be honest. It feels good like I can you know, make an income or make good decisions or whatever, that is, and that's great. But there's times where you just can't. And we all will face those times. And, and so we're in this conversation, and I said, here's the thing. There's something about God bringing a humility to you. And I said this, it feels humiliating, and I gotta be honest, I think that's a good thing. And, and we look at humiliation as a terrible thing, and, and there are plenty of examples where humiliation is a terrible thing. But there's something healthy when you look at it in a different light and go, the idea of humiliation is that we're absolutely humbled by the circumstances we face. There's a humility that's developed through the circumstances that we face. And I said, listen, you feel humiliated. But what's happening is it's developing in you a humility because it means you have to ask other people for help. 
I said, that is not a bad thing. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. But it isn't a bad thing. We did a series a few years ago um, called One Decision and talked about how life is so fragile that the power of one decision, the power of one decision can change the trajectory of your life. It's, it's, it's like this weird, delicate balance. You think of like, life is good and things are great and now I've got six feet of water in my house because I live in Houston, you know? You think there's all kinds, and I, I don't, I'm not making light of that at all. I literally mean like, everything's great and I got a home and everything, and all of a sudden you don't. And then your insurance, oh, well, we don't really cover that because it was a hurt or whatever, you know? There's, life is not so, you get the phone call. Things are great, family's good, and the phone call, and, oh, we need to be here and somebody and this family member and their ID and can you come and, I've received that call before. All of a sudden, nothing is the same. It's this thing where we, we can lose perspective. Can we just admit that? We can lose perspective. But we need others to help us see the forest through the trees, to, to, to pick apart what's going on when we can't do it. You need other people that can do that. You need that. Because we're all going to face it. And God says, it's not, well, just me and Jesus, I already mentioned, not just you and Jesus, you and Jesus, and he's going to bring people right alongside of you. Because that's the nature of what he does. We need the comfort and encouragement of others. We need the perspective of others. And we need the prayers of others. I know, you, again, I, I mentioned last week, we, we roll our eyes at the prayer one, and go, oh, pastor's just saying prayer again, because it's probably the spiritual thing. Have you ever been through something and felt like you didn't have prayer support? And have you ever been through something and knew you had prayer support? I would be willing to, to, to guess that there's plenty of people in here that can go very different. The circumstance felt very different. Because there's something about prayer. And it's a whole series we probably should do coming up on what prayer can do because it's absolutely amazing to think about. But, but when you pray, when you carry somebody's burden in prayer, just in prayer alone, it's so fun to watch God grow your heart for those circumstances. That you begin with, God, here's what's going on in the surgery and, and now they're stuck there and they gotta do rehab and, and they're, they can't get out and they feel frustrated and, and the recovery and they're not at work and, and pretty soon you're thinking, of like, man, I could probably help them out. I can mow their lawn. Or I could, you know, and you start thinking, it's because your heart is growing for that circumstance. And there's all kinds of examples of the way that happens, but the other part that I never wanna forget is this. When we pray, I believe God opens up avenues spiritually that we might never see, we might not understand. We have a hard time wrapping our heads around, but there are supernatural forces the Bible talks about that are at play that come against people. And I believe that when we pray, it opens up avenues where God can work as opposed to if we don't, I believe that he does hold back. I do. And so God asks us over and over to pray. pray. In fact, it says pray about everything. And so when somebody's praying for you, I love, we gather in life groups and, and we hang out and we eat together and, and then we come together in kind of a, a circle in a living room and there's chairs and couches and all that. And in our group, most groups are kind of like this. And you, you talk through the Bible and you talk through some questions over, you know, we do sermon-based groups, go through some questions over a message like this and have people answer and give input and stuff like that. And then as, as the group kind of winds down and you're gonna head out here in a little bit, we go, hey, you know, before we head out, guys, let's, let's take a few moments and who has some things we need to pray for? And I love it because get out the little prayer journal, I take notes on there and write down the date. And who's, so, okay, share, and okay, that's, that's good. Who wants to pray for that tonight? And I write it down and somebody prays for it. And, and that's, what we, in our, that's how we do it in our group. Other groups maybe do it a little differently, but there's something amazing 
about those moments when we stop and just pray for each other. And I realize there's people in groups, and we've experienced this in our group too, where I don't know about praying out loud yet, and that's fine. But for those people that are willing to take a step and pray out loud, great. And so we pray in agreement together in our group for whatever it might be that somebody needs prayer for. And to me, it's such a beautiful picture of what God has designed as we live in community together. Prayer support. Not to mention, this is a whole other avenue of it, but not to mention the miracles that God does. Not to mention the breakthroughs that do happen. The stories is, we try to capture stories as a church all the time. Like, man, we need to put that up and on, on, our, on our webpage. Um, we have a link about Grove stories and people that just share how God has been working and baptism Sundays and how God is working. And um, it's so fun to see that. In Acts chapter four, talking about the prayers of others, it says this in verse 23, 24, and then I'll fast forward a little bit to 31 there. On their release, Peter and John had just been um, persecuted for their faith. They had, they had healed a guy, and they talked about, I don't speak anymore in the name of Jesus, and something like, hey, look, this, God's doing it. I don't know what to tell you. They, get, they basically get, get uh, persecuted for their faith um, by the religious leadership, and then they get released um, from, from prison, and, and they go back, and it says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And I love it because, again, they're, they're, here's two of them, and they had just been persecuted for their faith, and they go right back to the community that they knew, the community they were connected to, and said, here's what happened. And they're like, let's pray. And so they pray, and, and in verse 31, so I'm gonna, I fast forward through the prayer, which is great to read, and you should check it out. But in verse 31, it says this, after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And I love that. And some of you guys go, so you're telling me you want like a life group at my house, and it's gonna shake, and does my insurance cover prayer? Because if it shakes, and all of a sudden, like, what am I gonna do? And we're not liable as a church, okay? It's on you. Anyway, but... But the idea that we need to understand is the Holy Spirit comes and fills them again with the courage to continue to be witnesses because they gathered together in prayer. It is the power of prayer. And I can stand up here and tell you all day that for 25 years now of following Jesus, I have prayed a lot of prayers and my place has never been shaken. But I can say this, we've seen miracles happen. And, and, and we've seen individuals so filled with courage and, and, and just the work of God that they're able to go to their workplace and, and, and shine that light even though things come against them. We've seen miracles happen in marriages. We've seen relationship issues. It, it, it's so fun. So yeah, physically, my house has never physically been shaken because we prayed, but it's fun to see lives transformed because we've prayed. See, we, we need community. We're called to live in community. There's no getting away from it. And if your excuse is, well, I just don't do that, then I really would encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit if you would stop and pray, God, how do I deal with this message today? Because I believe God calls us to live in community. God calls us to be connected to one another. And yes, it puts us in a vulnerable place where people can hurt us. But you know what? I would far rather live in connection with people with the willingness to experience hurt, which I have too, rather than just keep people at arm's length and go, I don't really do that thing. As we kind of end the message today, but um, move towards life groups, I want to remind you that um, our life groups launch here in a few weeks. And, and, and 
we really want everyone connected in a group. And some of you guys go, oh, he's looking at me because he knows I'm not in a group. I totally, totally, absolutely am. <laughs> I'm looking right at you. Right at you! I'm in the balcony. Even fans of other sports teams, which I don't get you. Something, you left the herd a long time ago. You shouldn't have left the herd. Come back to the herd, okay? Saints fans and Bronco fans and Green Bay Packer fans. And Green Bay Packer fans. Somebody should be tarred and feathered before they leave here today. You, you, you need to join the herd, man. Come on. You're out there and you're going to get distra- Anyway, okay, well, just. We got great groups and we have groups. Um, I, I was thinking, I was writing down these names because we were blowing up Facebook this last week. If you got our page on, you know, your friends on our page or whatever. Um, like Tony Sabados, just his story, you can click on it, he's awesome. Melissa Toner, awesome group. Um, guys group, then a gals group. Scott and Susie Dorsey, a couples group. It's going to be an awesome group. And they were out there earlier. They actually invited me to their group. I'm in the lobby. They go, hey, you want to come to our group? I'm like, I don't do groups. So anyway, so, but. <clears throat> Dave, Dave and Lori Nyans, great couple, man. They're going to have an awesome, awesome group. Um, some of, the, some of these are, are new groups. I found out two weeks ago, we have a great life group, and, and, and we have a good time gathering and going through Scripture and praying together. And, and so all of a sudden, in the lobby two weeks ago, I found out that Andrew re- ripped somebody out of our group. And they're going to start a new group. And I'm like, no, you're not. Not with them, you're not. They're with us. They're our people, man. going to remove them from our herd. He's like, well, they're going to start another herd. I'm like, okay, you know. Anyway, um, but, but Gary and Vanessa Mays, I, I love them like crazy. I got to do their wedding a bunch of years ago, and they got three kiddos, and they moved down to actually Visalia for a while, and they're back up here, and, and they're incredible, but they're starting a new group, and I found out in the church lobby two Sundays ago. Like, wait, what? So I'm bitter, and I don't like them, I, you know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say hate, loathe a little bit, because they left us, but they're going to have a great group. For, for, for young families, this couples group for, for young families. Um, Jordan and, and Darla Telshow, I like this one. I'm, I mentioned this one because it's a little bit more unique. They're focusing on young marrieds and newly engaged couples. And we have some of those in our church, so I love that. But they're going to do a great job um, leading that group, and it's fun because I actually got to be part of their wedding a couple years ago too. So they're, they're um, just great people. But we have in the church, we have new groups, and we have existing groups that have room in them. And, and there's groups, that, again, all, kind of all over Snohomish County, more or less. I mean, you know, we talk about different in Stanwood and Arlington. We have groups all over the place, and they're different nights of the week, and we want every single person to get connected because we want you to be discipled, but we also want you to live in community. That you've got to be connected, not just attend and, and be here on a Sunday, which is great, but, but be connected. Father, today, um, God, as, as we look at just this peer pressure and positive peer pressure, the simple question becomes in our own hearts, you know, who is it that, that encourages us? Who is it that is positive peer pressure? And Father, I would, I would just ask that through the work of your Spirit, God, in every heart there's that question, who are the people in my life that are positive peer pressure? Who builds my faith? Who is my prayer support team? Who are those people that give me perspective because I have blind spots? Who is it that encourages me when I'm facing the mountain before me? And it's, it's, it are, if the answer is, well, it's my spouse, that's, that's so partial. 
There's so much more to the conversation. It's just, well, it's best friend. That's great. But I believe we need more than one. In fact, when we go back to those verses in Proverbs, it talks about the multitude. Father, help us to, God, listen to the work of your spirit and follow those things that you desire, that we can live connected. We can be sharpening each other and walking this journey of becoming more like Christ together because I believe passionately that that's your desire for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.